From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be, right here, right now. Here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. everybody. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm so happy today to be talking to Debbie Silber. Now, for those of you who are listening on the computer or on your phone and you want to check out her website, go to pbtinstitute.com. And without further ado, I'm going to have Debbie introduce herself because she's got a really cool concept, and I know you're going to love it. Debbie, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah. So tell us why, why the PBT Institute? What is it? How did it come about? And who are you and why should we listen to you? Sure. <laughs> so the PBT Institute, the PBT stands for post-betrayal transformation. I study betrayal and I don't know if you study betrayal. I don't know of anybody who studies betrayal because they want to. <laughs> it's one of those things. You have to. And I've been in health mindset, personal development. This is my 30th year, but it was a really painful betrayal from first from my family. And then a few years later from my husband, Uh, anybody who's been through it, blindsided, you're devastated. It's so painful. So I got him out of the house and, and I looked at those two experiences and I said, what's, what's in common here? And I realized I never took my own needs seriously. It was really all about everybody else. And so here I was, I had four kids, six dogs, a thriving business, and I enrolled in a PhD program. I didn't have the first clue how I was going to pull that off. Uh, But I was desperate to understand how the mind works, why we do what we do and how I can heal. So while I was there, I did a study and I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? That study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my business, my family, my life. Well, and it's so common, like, I don't mean to trivialize or minimalize this, but when I got your email and I was, was thinking about this, I'm like, how many people have I interviewed on my radio show over the years who have had profound betrayal? I mean, whether it's financial betrayal, betrayal by a partner, betrayal by a spouse, betrayal by a friend. In my case, not to get into too much detail, my ex-husband had an affair and went on to marry one of my very good friends, leaving me with a three-month-old and a two-year-old. And all of a sudden I'm soul supporting. So there was financial betrayal. There was emotional betrayal. And Debbie, I didn't make a new friend for almost five years, because Mm. I couldn't trust myself. I think that was what what hit me the most was how could I trust this man? But how could I trust this friend? And for both of them to conspire behind my back to take money from the company to, you know, embark on this affair, and then they got everything all set up, Deb. And then they executed their plan and just left me shattered in their wake. Not that I expect anybody to feel sorry for me. Everybody has their shtick, but 
It took me years to build oh, yeah. my confidence back. And as a radio host, as a coach, as somebody who is an author and a speaker that was thriving, I took, like, if I was a plane crash, it didn't just crash. It went straight down, imploded, and and everything was shattered. And I think that's really common with givers. We're givers and we trust people. You know, I look back, the one thing that I wish we could banish from everybody talking to someone who's been betrayed on every level is the one person that says, but you had to know at some level, you were probably in denial. You had to know. Well, I can tell you, I have researched myself, done radio shows for 11 years. I've been on the air 16 I still can't find my supposed denial that everybody accuses you of having. Yeah, the, it's just, that's what people say. And, and here's the thing. There are so many incredible things about what you said. First of all, that is why I wrote Trust Again, because it's one thing where we don't trust our betrayer. That makes sense. But one of the biggest problems with betrayal is we lose trust in ourselves. Yes. So I'm happy to even teach it the four-step trust rebuilding process, because if we don't learn how to trust again, it's like living half a life. Yes. We keep everybody at bay. And, yep. and uh, but the nature of betrayal too is you're right. You take such a hit because this is the person or these are the people who gave us a sense of safety and security. So when this is the person, these are the people to shatter that sense of safety and security, it's devastating. And it hits us on the, in the body, on the, the mind, the heart, everything gets affected. So they wonder, well, why is it that, let's say I'm going to a therapist and here's the thing, if the therapist isn't highly skilled in betrayal, it does more harm than good. But why is it that I'm doing that and I'm really not feeling better? Or why is it that I put the big wall up? Why is it that I'm, you know, I'm numbing, avoiding, distracting? There is a protocol and, and the research proved it what we need to heal. There's a roadmap now. And, and the beauty of it is all this time where you think, am I crazy? Why am I not getting over this? Betrayal lends itself to, uh, we've, we see now, we hear time heals all wounds when it comes to betrayal. That's not the case. And That's I have the proof. The case. Debbie, I'm just going to stop you for a second here because now is a really good time to thank our sponsor. And our sponsor has been with us a couple years now, and our sponsor is Best Fiends. And it's really a fun digital video game that I play on my phone. You can play it on your tablet. Um, and it reminds me of summertime. And as we get into summertime and we are finally able to take advantage of life starting to get back to normal, this it has that same feeling of like a sunny day with your feet in the water or sitting on the end of a dock or maybe you're sitting on the beach with the wind blowing in your hair and you just feel happy. Like no rhyme, no reason. That's what you feel like when you play this game. And it's so much fun. And I've been playing it a couple of years now. And once you start playing, I can promise you, you're not going to be able to stop. And I'm on level 290. And it's a difficult level, but it's not so difficult. It's frustrating. It actually kind of takes me away. And it's challenging, but it doesn't make me mad and frustrated and want to like throw the phone across the room. It's not that kind of puzzle game. And with thousands of puzzle games to solve, there's something new every day. And they have cute collectible characters. They have nice music. It puts you in 
in a good mood. And sometimes I'm stuck places, you know, waiting for my dad's medication, waiting to pick up my dad. And I'm just sitting there and I could be fuming and frustrated, or I could pull out my phone and play a few rounds. And the characters, the music, everything just puts me in a good mood. And I want you guys to go ahead and download this five-star rated puzzle game. It's called Best Fiends. Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's at the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. You will be so glad you did. It is so much fun. And it's relaxing. Like, I just really enjoy it. I find it just casual. Like it's not stressful. You don't need to to get ready for it. You don't need to have any special equipment. You just need your phone or your tablet and your finger and a few minutes to yourself. And it really fits into my lifestyle and I really enjoy it. So I hope you will too. Download at the App Store or Google Play. That's Friends Without the Art, Best Fiends. Now we're talking today to with Debbie about the Post-Betrayal Institute um, and about some of these symptoms that happen after betrayal. And when you're betrayed, they don't go away really quickly. So it's really important to know these things so you can recognize them in yourself. We have um, one of the discoveries was there's this collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal. It's known as post-betrayal syndrome. I even have some stats. I pull every couple of months. I'm happy to share some of them. Yeah, sure. But there's a question on you know in the quiz that says, is there anything else you'd like to share? And people write things like, my betrayal happened 35 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust again. My betrayal happened 15 years ago. I feel gutted. So we know time does not heal this one. No, it does. you don't just magically look at the calendar and have all this stuff go away. You have to make a conscious effort to work through some of these things. And I think there's a period that I know I went through, Deb, I don't know if you did too, where I was just numb. Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't, it was almost unreal. You know, I'm watching the foreclosure. I'm watching, you know, like my ex-husband show up soccer with the new wife. Like it was, for me, it was all so fast because they had been planning it, you know, for like a year and a half. So by the time it hit me, I'm like, how are you already living together? How are you blending these children? Like, how is this all happening? And it's a really surreal feeling. And, and because I have multiple radio shows, I was doing concurrently some shows on post-traumatic stress for the military. And Mm -hmm. I would interview these soldiers and not that my experience was in any way the same. I'm not saying that, but I'm like, wait a minute. I'm having these night terrors. I'm having these panic attacks. I'm having rashing. My hair started to fall out. Mm -hmm. It got Mm -hmm. very thin. I have really thick, like a horse tail. And it was Mm -hmm. coming out in my brush every morning. I'd pull clumps of hair going, what is going on with me? And I started making the corollary just because of my military shows going, I think I'm having kind of a post-traumatic stress reaction because, you know, maybe I didn't be in a bombing, but someone just blew up my life. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we do, we think PTSD is reserved for the military. No, that's not the case at all. It is so common in betrayal. You know, you, you cognitively, you know, it's not happening again, but your, your body is right back there as if you're yeah. reliving it again. So it's, it is very real. And, and the thing is too, I mean, these symptoms that you mentioned, they are so common. Do you want me to share some of that? I would love that. Okay. So like I said, every few months we pull some stats. So this is out of 18,000 plus people who've taken the post-betrayal syndrome quiz in the last year and a half, two years or so. 
this is this you will you will see how real all your symptoms were. Well, I, you girls so, get your pens ready because I got my pen and paper here. Yep. So 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel a loss of personal power. 80% are hypervigilant. That's exhausting, just being hypervigilant. 94% deal with painful triggers. So these are some of the common, most common physical symptoms. Ready? Okay. 71% have low energy. 68% have sleep issues. 63% extreme fatigue. 47% have weight changes. And 45% have digestive issues. Crohn's, IBS, uh, diverticulitis, constipation, diarrhea, you name it. Emotions and think about that. So here you are, you're exhausted, and let's say you have a gut issue. That's not even the mental ones. 78% are overwhelmed. 70% are walking around in a state of disbelief, right? Yep. Like that's what you were just explaining. 68% unable to focus, 64% in shock, 62% unable to concentrate. So now here you are trying to, you know, do your radio show and manage your life, and you can see that's not even the emotional, ready? Emotional, 88% extreme sadness, 83% anger. Just mix those two together. That's exhausting. 82% feel hurt. 80% have anxiety. 79% are stressed. Here's why I wrote trust again. 84% have an inability to trust. 67% prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% find it hard to move forward, but don't know how. Well, and what does moving forward? This was my big thing. Everybody's like, Stan, you need to move forward. And, you know, I had boyfriends on and off. It's not like I didn't have relationships. And, you know, my ex-husband now lives one street away, which I got to say is really fun to have him, wife and his kids. And then my kids, it's yeah. Um, but what does moving forward look like? Because my life was moving forward and that life stopped. And mm -hmm. you don't just build a new life overnight. And, you know, when I was listening to you talk about this list, there was mm -hmm. one of them that talked about like, like, like overwhelmed and an inability to kind of, um, you know, and revisiting all of those things. When mm -hmm. the trail is in your life, Deb, you can't run away from your life. Like I can't yeah. run away from my kids because we're co-parenting. So I'm going to see that woman, my old, former friend and my husband, you know, at soccer, at school, we're going to be delivering the kids back and forth. So there's mm -hmm. re-wounding because you can't just move away and let it go. Then let's talk about the financial situation with the divorce, with everything they did with my company. And then my own personal confidence collapse meant my earning power went down because I didn't have the confidence to seek the big sponsors, the big jobs. So, you know, I was watching one point, my money just literally drained from my account and I felt helpless. Like I didn't know, you know, what to do. So, you know, you've got these things that it's not like when my mom died and I was heartbroken for months, I put her in the ground and there was a finality to it. Right. Right. There isn't a finality to of a financial betrayal, a, a emotional betrayal, a friendship betrayal, a husband betrayal, like all these different things, they take a lot longer. I've experienced profound death. I've experienced profound betrayal. I'll take death. <laughs> you know, you that's know. an easier one to get over. Well, and it's so interesting. This was one of the other discoveries. I, 
I was originally studying betrayal and post-traumatic growth. And post-traumatic growth, if you can imagine kind of an upside of any trauma, how it leaves you with a new awareness, insight, perspective that you didn't have. Like, let's say someone dies that you love, you realize life is short, right? That would be post-traumatic growth, a a sign of post-traumatic growth. But I was like, "Mm, I've been through disease. I've been through death of a loved one. And I was like, betrayal feels different for me. I didn't want to assume. So I asked all my study participants and I said, if you've been through other crises, does it feel different for you? Hands down unanimously, unanimously, they said, it is so different. And here's why. It's so different because it feels so intentional. So we take it so personally. So the whole self has to be rebuilt. Rejection, abandonment, confidence, worthiness, belonging, trust. Fear, all have fear that the people you loved most conspired against you to strip yeah. you of your house, strip you of your car, get as yeah. much as they could get as a newly started couple and leave you in the dust. Like I likened it to being run over by a bus. I wasn't hit by a bus. I was flattened yeah. by the bus and then I kept trying to get up, but then like five or six cabs ran over me after. Like yeah. that's but, kind of what it feels like. Yeah, but but the thing is, what what I've also found is when you rebuild the self and it's strategic and it's intentional, when you rebuild the self, plus you find you make some that that makes sense and meaning out of it. It's not post-traumatic growth. It's post-traumatic growth plus. So that's why I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation. That is the complete and total rebuild. But to get to something that you said earlier, you know, about just the, the, the moving forward, the third study, the third discovery was there are, there are actually five stages we will go through to fully heal. Now, here's the thing. Most people stop in stage three most people. And if you speak to people throughout your day, you will know exactly where they are. And I'm happy to go through the stages if that would help. I love that. I got got my pen ready, girl. And you will remember exactly where you were when I say each stage. So the first it's stage one is like a setup stage. This is before it happens. And if you, if you imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, what I saw with everybody was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental and kind of neglecting the emotional and the spiritual. What does it look like? looks like we're really good at thinking and doing, not prioritizing the feeling and being. In whatever it is, if there are only two legs of a table being strengthened, easy for that table to topple over and that's us. Stage two, by far the scariest stage. This is shock. This is D-Day, Discovery Day. This is when the person takes like the mask off saying, this is who I've really been. And what happens is you, it's the breakdown of the body, the mind, the worldview. You've ignited the stress response right here. So you're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You can't wrap your mind around this. It makes no sense. And your worldview is shattered. That's your mental model. This is how the world works. These are the rules. Don't go there. This person's safe. And in a moment, every rule you've ever known is no longer. Yep. Right. So, but the bottom has bottomed down on you, but here's the thing. If you were walking down the street and the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything and everything you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical of all of the stages. If you can't help me get out of my way, how will I survive this experience? Where do I live? Who can I trust? How do I feed my kids? Like it's that practical. Here's the trap though. 
once you figured out, you figured out how to survive, think back to your own experience. Yep, I'm when, once you figured it out, because survival feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, you're like, Whew, okay, all right, let me figure out how to make this work. I'm good here. And you have no idea there's a stage four and stage five. Transformation hasn't even happened yet, but a few things happen in stage three. And this is why most people get stuck here. Ready? The first thing is you start getting all of these small self benefits. You get to be right. You get someone to blame. You get a target for your anger. You yep. get your story. You get sympathy from everybody you tell your story to. Yep. You don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Do I trust you? Do I trust? Ah, forget it. I won't trust anybody. So you plant deeper roots. Now, because you're here a little longer than you're supposed to be, your mind starts doing things like, you know what? Maybe you're not all that. Maybe you're not that great. Maybe. And you plant each deeper roots because like energy attracts like energy. Now you're calling circumstances and people and relationships towards you to confirm this is where you belong. It gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Don't worry. Because you don't like it, but you have no idea there's a stage four, stage five, you resign yourself to thinking this isn't good, but all right, I better figure out a way to make this work. So here's where you start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior. You do that for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit. A year 10 years, 20 years, I can see someone 20 years out and say that emotional eating you're doing or that numbing in front of the TV or that wine you're drinking every night. Do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they'd say, oh my gosh, that happened 20 years ago, but it doesn't matter. They've put themselves in a perpetual holding pattern that whole time. That's stage three. If you're willing to let go of the benefits that you're getting in, but from staying stuck. Sure. You mourn, you grieve, a few things you need to do. You move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. And think back to when this happened with you. You could probably remember the feeling. I do. I'm like, I can see each one of these. Oh, yeah, yeah. So here's where you realize I can undo this, but I can control what I do with it. And I always use this example of if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, all your stuff's not there. It's not quite cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. When you're in that mental space, you start turning down the stress response. You're not physically healing just yet, but you stop causing the massive damage you were causing in stages two and stage three. But this is what's so interesting too. And think back if this happened to you. If you were to move, you don't necessarily take everything with you. You don't take the stuff that doesn't represent the version of you you want to be in your new space. Well, what I saw moving from stage three to stage four, if your friends weren't there for you, here's where you don't take them with you. Right. Right. I cleaned house. Yeah. You've just outgrown them. And that's what happens. So people say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation and you've just outgrown these people. So, and it's so common when we're in stage four a while, we're making it okay. We're making it our home. We can move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing rebirth and a new worldview. Mm-hmm. The body starts to heal, self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now you do. You're making, uh, the mind starts to heal. You're making new rules, new boundaries based on what you see so clearly now. And you have a new worldview. 
based on your experience and the four legs of the table. Remember in the beginning, it was all yep. about the physical, the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. I love that. I love that. Cause I could see myself and, you know, you pop between stages too. Like, you know, I didn't go perfectly like one, two, three, four. I kind of went one, two, three, four, three, four. <laughs> like then I got to four and then it was like four, five, four, five, like, you know, over you outgrow it, it, the way it is. You do the stages, the stages, you don't skip a stage. The order right. doesn't change, but you, you outgrow one. Yes as you move into another and how you outgrow it. It could be a messy process as you outgrow it, but that's what transformation looks like. But most people, you could see why they stop in that stage three. And that's where works. they live. Cause it works for them. And I can tell you, you want to know what busted me out of that stage? Like immediately I went to the grand Canyon. I live in Los Angeles. So sometimes I'll go and I'll go hiking places, especially if I'm feeling a lot of emotion. And to be fair, I've had a therapist every Thursday night. She's like a mom, a co-parent, you know, for 15 years, I just call her up. This is what I'm working on. I'm having a problem with a client. I'm having a problem with my kids. So I had really good support, you know, through all this, which I think everyone should do if they can do it through their church, their temple, their, you know, if they can hire a therapist, you know, read, you know, Dr. Deb's books, you know, anything you can do take her programs um to help you but i was sitting on the edge of the grand canyon not jumping just enjoying the view and looking at like like thinking in my head in the grand scheme of things in the eons of time this is nothing so don't make it bigger than it is i'm kind of having this conversation and i'm a big eavesdropper i think it's part of being a radio host i love to listen to people well this bus pulls up you know, one of these tour buses and all these ladies get off and I'm kind of like, hmm, wonder what kind of group this is. And I'm just looking and there's a bench, uh, you know, a, a bench to look at the view behind me. These three ladies plunk down and this is a divorce recovery group. And one lady's talking to the other lady about betrayal, about trust, you know, things like this. And the one lady says to the other lady, well, I've been divorced 24 years and the other one's 20 years. And then there's the newly divorced lady. And I was like, Deb, I will not be stuck like that. Well, at I what will point, not be telling what, that story. And at what point are you single? Right? It's what? like, I'm divorced, I'm divorced, I'm divorced. At what point are you single? That has all to do with your healing. Here's the thing too. There were three groups in the study who did not heal. The first was they refused to accept their scenario. And that could very likely be sounds like these women. The second was the group that was numbing, avoiding, distracting. Yep. Like it may have made the day a bit easier to get through, kept them stuck. The third group, this was interesting. I only saw two things. This was the group where the betrayer really had no consequences. So whether it was out of fear, financial fear, religious reasons, not wanting to break up a family, whatever, they did their best just to put it, put it behind them, uh, not make a big deal out of it, whatever. I saw two things, a further deterioration of the relationship. And this group by far was the most physically sick. It's got to go somewhere. That's it. Your broken heart can't handle that. Yeah, it's got to go somewhere. Yeah. But here's the thing you have to know. And, and this is what we teach within the PBT Institute, how to know if it's safe and in your best interest, just to heal and move on. Like that's what I did with my family. Wasn't an option to rebuild anything with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, how do you know when it's okay to rebuild something entirely new with the person who hurt you? That's what I did with my husband. Um, not long ago, we married each other again. New rings, new vows, new dress, and our four kids is our bridal party. Uh, but 
what I find so often with people is the only way that works is when there is a complete and total death and destruction of the old. Right. In order to birth the new. But people are so afraid of, I, I you know, I'm just going to patch this up. So people ask me all the time, can trust be repaired? And I say, no. Can it be rebuilt? Yes. But I look at it like this. It's like a brick wall. Every opportunity someone has to show their trustworthy represents a brick in the wall. The only way I know how to build a brick wall is brick by brick by brick, right? So every interaction, that's how it gets built. Then that betrayal, that shattering of trust, the entire thing comes tumbling down. You have every right to look at the brick, the rubble of bricks and say, I don't have the least bit of interest in watching this thing get rebuilt and move along. And that's totally fine. However, if you are willing, the the person where the trust was shattered, the betrayed person is willing, their job is to be willing. The person who did the shattering of trust, the betrayer has to be a really good bricklayer. Right. And it doesn't go up any other way than the same way that it went up the first time, brick by brick, by brick, every, they have to be safe. You know, that's something that, you know, that I think is, is, you know, can't be denied. I did try to rebuild after the first betrayal in my marriage Mm -hmm. and, you know, turned around and he did it again. So, you know, the person has to be safe. And, you know, people kept saying to me like, well, are you sure, you know, you don't want to give it one more try. I'm like, why would I set myself up like this time? You know, the first time it was a neighbor across the street. This time it was my friend. Like there's a pattern here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, definitely is. That, that, you know, so the person has to be safe. And I think you also have to be in a really good place to rebuild. You know, I don't think in the past 10 years, I could rebuild anything I wouldn't want to, but I wasn't in the place that I was the person that could do any rebuilding with this person. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, then that's totally fine. Then the relationship ran its course. You, you, you know, you extract from it, whatever you need to, and you move yep. on. And, and, but here's the thing too, if we don't learn how to rebuild trust, it's, it, it never, we can never have those deep relationships again. And, and I see it. I see, I can spot an unhealed betrayal a mile away. We see it in health, in work, in relationships. For example, I'll see it in relationships in one of two ways. The first way is repeat betrayals. If you keep having repeat betrayals, it's like you go from friend to friend to friend, partner to partner to partner, coworker to coworker to coworker. And you're like, what the heck is it me? Yes, it is. There's a profound lesson. It's not your fault, but there's a profound lesson there that is waiting to be learned. Like you need better boundaries or you're lovable, worthy and deserving. Understand that already, whatever it is. And until and unless you get that, those betrayals are coming around to show you that. The second way is those people who, you you know, the big wall goes up, Mm-mm, been there, done that. I'm not doing that again. Yeah. We keep the bad ones out, uh, but we, you know, we, we keep, we keep everybody at bay. Everybody. Right. Yeah. So, so the, the challenge with that is we need to rebuild, you know, we need to rebuild it. We see it in work. Like you mentioned a couple of ways we see it in work all the time, Oh sure. Um, but it needs to be healed and it can be, you can heal from all of it, all of it. I don't think you can do it alone though. No, but this is the thing, you know, and I, I did everything I did massage. I did Reiki. I did journaling. I did past lives. I mean, thankfully, you know, because I'm on the radio, I have access to all these things. So I'm like, I want to learn these things. Let's do a show on it. You know, I'd love to experience this. And then, you know, all these things. And 
I can tell you the one thing, there were two things that were profound, was one working with a great therapist who I love and trust. Her name is Vicki. Um, she's the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me because she was a gentle pusher. Each thing, okay, now we're going to do this. Now we're going to do that. There was a little gentle push each week then that, that I needed. Um, and then the other one was spending alone time with a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that, you know, in the beginning when I journaled, <laughs> it was like, sometimes my hand would hurt. I'm like carving yeah. like F you into this yeah. book and yeah. you know, all of that. And then I would take those books and I would take them to Walmart and I would rip the cover off them and throw them like three parts and three different garbage cans. So yeah. I had them in the front and I'm like the cover would go here, the inside here and inside here. Cause right. I didn't want anybody reading the awful things I was thinking, seeing and feeling. And I know conventional therapy says you should keep these books and go back and look at how much you've grown. But here's the thing. Those were me getting rid of those feelings. I yeah. never want to revisit them. I don't want them. I need them to go. Yeah. And so sometimes the journal would be, or like, and I would just use these cheap little notebooks. Like you use the composition notebooks for school. Cause they're a dollar a piece. If I throw them out, you know, I'm not losing a $20 leather journal for my thoughts, right. Um, right. but they would have heat. I would know where they were in my house because I had kids. I had nosy little kids. So everything had to be hidden. And my nosy mom and my nosy dad visiting. I didn't want them coming across and come home. There's my mom reading it going, wow. Yeah. So they had heat to it. So when they were filled with heat or emotion, I would burn them or I would take them to Walmart and, you know, rip them up and throw them out so that they couldn't be put back together. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think are those some of the most com- massage helped me a lot? It yeah. helped me get touched by, you know, even though it was a massage therapist, I didn't want anybody hugging me, nobody touching me, like mm-hmm. all of those walls up. And my therapist yeah. is like, you know what? Maybe a good massage will help you start to relax. Yeah. Well, within, I mean, within the PBT Institute, we, we have only what the research proved works and what's needed and what the 18,000 plus people who've taken the post-betrayal syndrome quiz say they want. So in there, we have the right type of support. And like, to your point, the wrong type of support is awful. Awful. The right type of support lifts and inspires. We have certified coaches who they, they know they're all certified in the five stages and moving someone through. Through, but they're also coming in with 10, 20, 30 years of um, trauma experience, uh, addiction experience, uh, you name it. So they're all, they teach live daily classes. We have my signature programs, which literally walk you through um, the stages. I'm in there. I mean, there's no place like it because you need a certain combination, but it's physical, mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual. It's the they whole all- they all have to be addressed. And that's one of the reasons why massage may have worked so well for you. That somatic body-based uh, releasing is powerful because the, the issues are in the tissues. This stuff gets lodged in the cells and has to be released. In There are so many ways that resonate with people, but whatever it is for you, whether it's massage, uh, tapping, Reiki, you know, no, yoga, tap. breathing, it, whatever it is, There's something that breath work, dance, trauma, dance therapy. I mean, there's so many different things, but it is an important component of it as well. And the journaling is powerful. Different. And tell me if I'm that dissimilar, because I don't think I am. Different treatments like that 
worked better, less and better than me. And like in the very beginning, when I was really like ripped, like just so hurt, mm-hmm. so angry, so scared, I could not focus in yoga. Yoga sucked for me. I was like, I was so mad at this guy next to me because all I did was look and he could bend more than me. And he was like 900 years old and he smelled bad. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is not for me. But then I went to this solfeggio frequency music balancing thing where they gave me headphones and I'm like, that calmed me down. Now, some of these things now, you know, kind of further along the path in the healing or wherever I am on your, your chart Yoga is very relaxing for me now. I love it, but yeah. I was too hot in the beginning to like that. So I ended up taking um, Krav Maga and I was throwing a tantrum every week. I would kick and scream and punch. And I remember one time punching this bag with my trainer, Frankie, and he's like, San, San, come back to me. I had tears. My whole shirt was soaked, not with sweat, but tears running down my face. And when I would get the massages, I, you know, you lay on your face and you put your face in that little, mm-hmm. like, like, looks like a yep. little toilet seat. Like your, your face is just down there and they were pouring out of my eyes. Like yeah. I wasn't sobbing or anything, but I'm like, where is all this coming from? And, yeah. yeah. And then I could journal. Yeah. Like I couldn't do it in the order that, that, you know, I had to keep changing the order to figure out what was right for me. And I think everybody's different. They are. And that's the thing. There are some practices that absolutely do not resonate at all. And that's totally fine. You know, yoga, like for me, I just, I start running through to-do lists in my head, not yoga, uh, <laughs> meditation. So for me, if I'm moving that like a walking meditation yeah. or a guided meditation, I can listen to something. It's different. So you have to know who you are. And even though, and like you said, even though something doesn't resonate early on, you're in a different stage of your healing later on, it may. So it's, it is a process and you want to address things at the right time. Like it's very strategic in the five stages, something like forgiveness. I'm not talking about forgiveness day one. That's the last thing on your mind. And you, you know, can't. right. So it's, it, it all, the, the, the timing of all of it is so important. And, uh, and, and when you're ready, you know, you'll, you'll feel, okay, I think I'm ready for this a little scary, a little unfamiliar, a little uncomfortable, but it's okay. Right. And, you know, and you'll find like, for me, I have my little index cards and, you know, and I'll flip through them. Like if I'm having, cause I still have to co-parent with these people. So there is times that it, you know, stuff bubbles up, even though I feel like I'm, you know, I've, I've kind of moved on. I put it in this place. I've done majority of the work, you know, over what, 11 years, but there's still times that stuff bubbles up because we're coming on my kid's graduation. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to have to sit with him and her at the graduation. My boyfriend's in Minnesota. I can't have anybody there to support me. Then we have my poor one child left over in the middle, which is going to be uncomfortable for him. Like this just isn't, isn't good. And so I'm thinking, okay, the graduation is June 10th. I'm going to get a massage the day before, and then I'm going to journal and I'm going to go to the beach because I live in Southern California. I'm going to take a beach walk because those are things on my little cards that are proven to yeah. like put me back in that state. And I think it's one of those things where if you have to deal with the repeat abuser or the repeat betrayer, like in court, you know, court mm-hmm. takes three, four years. I had my little shtick that I had to do before I went to court. 
I had my CBD, my anti-anxiety, that I went for a spin on my spin bike. I would always make sure I could go to the gym and like just exhaust myself. And then Mm -hmm. lots of hydration, only vegetables. I don't know what it was about anything other than just like my green juice. I could do the green juice and I wouldn't feel sick to my stomach. So you got to know what your, what your drill is and the way you figure out your drill is trial and error. And I would add one more thing to the graduation, make it completely about the graduate, about the graduate. Yeah. That day is, that's the focus. That's the intention and going into it with that intention, everything else uh, in perspective happens. Yeah. 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 You know, because these things are not easy. And we live in a country with a super high divorce rate, a super high betrayal rate. Mm -hmm. And then we have all these things coming up with, you know, politics, Mm -hmm. with the changes in gender identification, you know, all of these hot button conversations. And I really think that, you know, your concept of healing from betrayal, it's, not just the big financial ones. It's not just the big relationship ones. You know, I have a friend who she and her husband are, are, they may end up getting divorced over this. She has been quiet about her political views and he's very political. And all of a sudden with this last election and with everything going on with COVID and their home in the house, she's like, you know what? I don't agree with you. And I really never agreed with you. I just stayed silent. He feels betrayed. He yeah, had yeah. this belief partner that was going to go and, you know, protest and da 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 all this stuff, you know, and their kids are grown. And now he's finding out that she wasn't truthful to him. And, yeah. and, and, and you know what it is too? A lot of couples have had a lot of time together during this time, which can be very healing or very revealing. I mean, it's, it's, it's going in one of two ways yep. and it could make you so much stronger or you just want to kill each other. You know, yeah, right. right. It's really you a know, tricky, a tricky time. betrayal there. You know, that's just a very, it's, it's really over an opinion over a belief or a thought. Yep. So, yeah. you know, it's not up to us to judge. Like this is the thing with betrayal. It's not up to you or me to decide what is a betrayal. You know what I mean? Because I've had friends whose husbands have been addicted to porn and that's a betrayal. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, well, I don't think it's a betrayal. How about when they sleep with your best friend and then get married? Like, that's a betrayal. Well, you know, the way I define it is it's the breaking of a spoken or unspoken rule. Every relationship has a, we had a rule. I was going to show up. We were going to have a conversation. If right. I didn't, I would have betrayed you. No, you wouldn't have, you know, you wouldn't have been that <laughs> right. you know, destroyed over it, but, but still the way it works is though, the more we trust and depend on someone, the deeper the betrayal. So p- picture a child who's totally dependent on their parent and they do something awful. That's going to have a bigger impact than let's say your best friend sharing your secret. You know what I mean? Right. Still a betrayal, but it really is up to that relationship that's spoken or unspoken. unspoken. See, and that's really important because it's kind of like grief. You know, people don't understand, you know, when my little dog uh, Misty died, I was, I was a mess for a year. Now mm-hmm. when Smokey and Snowy died, my other two dogs, not so much. I don't know what it was, Deb, but I had this relationship with this animal that was like no other. And it's been, you know, whatever, 10, 15 years now. And I've had other pets since it's never been the same. So here it is, same scenario, different relationship. So it's whatever it means to you. 
you're, you're, you're so right. You know, we, we've had a lot of dogs. We have four left, but we lost three this summer. And what, the last one we just lost, it was totally unexpected, was our golden. And anybody who has a golden knows, I mean, they are, they are just incredible. And he was the dog, like what you're saying, uh, it was uh, not normal how loving and, and the bond I had with him. And it's true. The other two, I grieved and I was sad, but not like this but one. Not like this. Some yeah. of them, you know, like Misty had, and I have a golden retriever now, Sally, that's priming for that. She's 14. Oldest golden retriever you'll ever see. She's just hanging in there, you know, but they, things can capture your heart. Mm-hmm. And it's up to you to determine what captures your heart, whether it's a person. No, I have a, 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 my mother, my friend's mother, her dog ran away and I think it got eaten by a coyote because it's Southern California. It never came back. And it was her heart, her love for everything. And she has gone through and she's like, she was mad for a while that the dog ran away. You know, and so our relationship with something isn't as easy as you can only be betrayed by a person. You can only be betrayed. Like, I think the human condition is much more complex. Well, it's, it's betrayed by your expectations. She expected something and that wasn't what she got. Right. You know, so it, it, betrayal has so many faces, so many faces, and it hits us so hard, but it hits us so hard because it's so, it feels so personal and because the heart's involved. Do you put the heart in it and it changes the game? It changes everything. And, you know, even when you've done the work, there's, you know, or at least enough work. Like I, I wouldn't say that I've done all the work, but I've done enough that I feel like I can be on this show with you and talk about it. I still have... On Monday mornings or Sunday nights, I have this wicked, like wicked rampant anxiety of going like, what's going to happen? And Mm -hmm. I have to talk, like it happened this morning, you know, and I I had to talk myself down of going, look, because, you know, you're not in foreclosure anymore. You've got a wonderful company. You've got a wonderful business. You've got a wonderful partner. Your kids graduating, your other kids dancing. They're great. Everything's great. And I think that's really scary for someone who has suffered a massive betrayal because in the betrayal state or what you called it the like the the setup the shock and survival okay Mm -hmm. those things I knew what to do Mm -hmm. like I either knew to numb I knew to bust my ass at work I knew to write letters to the bank to to stay the foreclosure like I knew what to do Mm -hmm. and it's interesting. And, you know, I think these shows are are so wonderful and so profound for me. I hope the listener gets as much as I do. But do you get people who come to you like where I am now going, it's good. And well, now what? Like, yeah, well, you know why. like, was the shoe going to drop? Like, where is this next Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Betrayal lends itself to uh, you actually are creating a new identity. You're leaving behind what no longer serves and you're creating something entirely new. So in doing that, it's like anything is available. So it's who do I want to be? How do I want to feel? What do I want to do? How do I want to live my life? Who do I want? You know, when I, when I look at the end of the road here, what do I, what would I have wanted to do, say, accomplish, feel? You get to create all of that now. And sometimes the lack of predictability, the lack of structure is terrifying. It is. 
It is. And as I see my my 17 year old who's going to UCSB Santa Barbara in the fall, he's like, mom, you know, what is my life going to look like? And, you know, we talk about, you know, does he want to do his work day? Does he want to be on his feet like teacher, nurse, doctor? Does he want to sit at a desk like architect, engineer, you know, kind of things like what does he see for his life? And then partway through that thing, I'm like, like, that's where I am. I am like an 18 year old going off to college. You know, my house is paid for. So I kind of have my college where I'm going to like, what's next for me. And that's, that's really scary. The unknown, the, un- you know, and I'll never forget when I enrolled in the PhD program, here I was, I was 50. I mean, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I remember one of my professors saying, just get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And that was the most annoying thing I had ever heard. <laughs> but it's so true because you really, I had no idea what was going to show up. But it changed that one decision changed everything. <laughs> and, but you never know. But it's when you, you do those things that are unfamiliar, instead of saying scary, I like saying unfamiliar because everything at one point was unfamiliar until it was right. familiar. And now you're good at it. Right. But it's, it's moving into those experiences where you're not a master at it. It's, you don't have it figured out like everything else in your past that you did. But the whole idea is you're moving towards something for a reason. Right. Even if it's a complete and total fail, nothing puts you on track faster. Right. So there are no mistakes. So in that great unknown, just keep moving and it'll show itself. Well, and I think that was the illusion of safety that, and it was an illusion because clearly, you know, it fell apart, but like my marriage gave me the illusion of relationship safety, our house, our investments, all those things gave me this illusion of safety. And it's really weird now, Deb, to have this illusion of safety, but all of a sudden it's just all on me. Like, okay, my house, my payments, I can do that my company, my payments, you know, or my, my, whatever I can do that. My kids live me full time. You know, I don't have any child support, but that's okay. Cause I can pay for everything. Like I am so different than I was when I got divorced, but here's the funny thing too, is I'm back to that joy that I had in my twenties. Like, yeah, there's a mixture of the unfamiliar and the unknown. Cause when you're married, you kind of have this grow old together thing. Well, I don't have the grow old together. You know, am I going to be the lady with like 10 dogs and her writing career (laughs) living in Cape Cod? I don't know. You know, could I be skiing, you know, or hiking Machu Picchu? Like that whole thing being open to you um, is exciting and thrilling and intimidating at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a huge unknown and, but it, it, it's really, but what you're saying is really that stage four, that stage five, that's what you're, everything you're saying shows that that's where you are. And in that stage five, it doesn't mean you don't get sad. You don't get disappointed. Oh, sure. You don't get anxious. You, you do, but you have such, you're so much richer. There's such contrast. You've seen it all. You've yeah. been there and back. You know, you've been through it. You had that dark night of the soul and you survived it. You're so much stronger, more confident, wiser than you ever would have been had that experience not happened. I mean, I see people who have healed from betrayal. They are the strongest people I know. Well, and I think you're just, 
yeah, I guess strong is the right word. I like to look at, like, I feel resilient. I feel mm-hmm. that if somebody breaks up with me, it's not the end of the world. If somebody dies, it's not the end of the world. If you lose your money, it's not the end of the world. I mean, you know, I kind of got it all over in the same you know <laughs> place. Like my mom died, the, my mom died on in September. My divorce was final in July. Like my foreclosure was finished in August. Like it was like, boop, 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 you yep. know, and, and then, you know, to look and go 20 years of my hard work, all my money was gone, you know, and you, you do get a a spiritual awakening, which I'd love to have another show with you and talk about the spiritual side of this, because Mm -hmm. while I was going through it, it just kept like, I felt like I was standing in the ocean, getting hit by another wave and another wave knocks me down and another wave. And then all of a sudden you get to shore and you look at like the sunset or the sunrise and you're like, oh, this is the beautiful part of life. Like I get it, but that's like on the other side, but I didn't, I couldn't see that for a really long time. And I would love to have you back and talk about kind of the spiritual journey about betrayal, because I think it grows us. It, it brings us closer to whatever our belief systems are, and it starts Mm -hmm. to redefine things and it shows you what you're made of. Oh, yeah. And next time I come back, I will share with you what the study proved about spirituality. We love that. Ooh, cliffhanger, cliffhanger. <laughs> All right, you guys. So thank you, Dr. Debbie Silver. Yeah. Uh, her name is spelled D-E-B-I and her last name is spelled S-I-L-B-E-R. So somebody has Russian descent where they change the B to the B. Uh, mm-hmm. We have that in our family, too. Um I want to thank you for being my guest today. And you guys, please, please check out her, her programs. Go to PBT, Post Betrayal, the, the PBT, the PBT Institute.com and do the slash and take the quiz. I'm going to take it. Um, I'm going to probably take it on my lunch break because I'm so excited to do it. I hope you guys are too. PBTinstitute.com. Check it out. Dr. Debbie Silver, thank you so much for being my guest today. We'll have you back again soon. Thank you. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be. 